Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. Today we're looking at Christ be magnified. We are finishing up chapter 1 and we're beginning in verse 24 through 29. Paul, on his way to Damascus, as an unbeliever, Paul was a religious man who did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And on that road to Damascus, Paul met Christ. Right before this passage today, you have that beautiful, uh, what they call the Colossian hymn, where Paul declared, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from the dead, the head of the church. Paul just was enamored with who Christ was. And in learning the identity of Christ, Paul was able to define the identity that God gave him, that he was called to be an apostle, that he was sent out to reach the Gentiles, and Paul knew who he was in Christ. And today we're going to kind of look at that because Paul says... I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Paul's commitment to preach the gospel and to reach other people, including even communicate to a church in Colossae that he had never been there, he talked about his sufferings for the body of Christ. Paul says he suffered in his flesh, and I do my share on behalf of his body, the body which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Paul, knowing that in order for the church to reach the world with the gospel, there would be sacrifice, there would be potential suffering. And Paul says, I carry my weight in the difficult. And sometimes in life you feel like somebody is not carrying their load. And Paul did not want to feel that way. He was going to carry his load in doing the work of the ministry. And Paul says, of this church, I, Paul, was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages in generations, but now has been manifested to the saints, to whom God willed, to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man with all wisdom, and that we may present every man competent, complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul was happy that he was able to serve Christ through the local church, even if it meant sacrifice and suffering. In finding a church, in finding a place to be part of, Paul found great joy in serving the Lord in a local church. And for Paul, that actually involved suffering, and that involved sacrifice. Now, I think God knows what we can handle. And God, you know, the, throughout the New Testament, blessed are those who are persecuted for the faith. 
And as you mature in your faith, you know, you get to the place that I don't think you really care if the world doesn't like what you do. You're going to be a Christian and you're going to follow Christ. And if somebody doesn't like it, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not insecure. You know, when we're young, sometimes we want to please everybody. And as we mature and we get older, we think, you know what? I'm happy to follow Christ. I don't tune into the, the networks on television to, to get my orders. Yes, sir, CNN, what do you want me to do? And I don't think you do that as an, a grown adult. You know, you're going to march to the beat of your own drum. And, and that means even if people criticize what you do or reject you or make fun of you, and I can tell you, I am not Jerry Falwell. I'm not Pat Robertson. I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm a follower of Christ. So if the media wants to try to accuse me as a Christian of being like this or being like that, no thank you. I'm my own person in Christ, and so are you. You know, you are a follower of Christ, and that's your value and your worth is your identity in Christ. So the world does not define us. It didn't define Paul. But because of that, because of that opposition, as you mature, there is the potential in life for suffering, in rejection, in persecution. And even if God spares you those things, the Christian life and ministry involves sacrifice. If you love someone, you sacrifice for them. And if you love Christ, there are going to be some instances in your Christian life and experience that will involve sacrifice. How many parents in here regret doing things for their children? You don't regret that. You might think, I wish I'd done more. You know, you enjoy serving and helping and sacrificing, you know, even brothers and sisters and sisters and sisters and brothers and brothers will sacrifice for one another. Why? Because of the love that we have. And with the love that is built up in us as a follower of Christ, we love him because he first loved us, as we receive God's love, and we are influenced by people who love God, who love us. Many of us in here can look back on a, on a relationship where somebody loved us with the love of Christ, and when we serve and it gets a little difficult and sacrifice is involved, we remember that person. And we say, wow, I'm just excited to be in their company, and to share in their sacrifice. That's how Paul felt. When Paul suffered and he was in prison and when he was rejected for his Christian faith, Paul said, I am honored to be like Christ who suffered even to the point of death. And so did Paul. All of the disciples, with the exception of John, were martyred for their Christian faith. And Judas, you know, so all of those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's the world that we live in, the fallen world. But Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Paul was called and gifted by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul's calling was to be a preacher, a preacher of the gospel. What is your calling? What has God called and gifted you to do? 
What is God equipping you to do? Developing your gift. Many of you said, you know, hey, let me know how I can help. You know, I encourage you to pray, to be involved in three things. Reading God's word, praying for yourself and praying for other people, and in encouraging and living in community with the body of Christ. And then your gifting and your calling will develop naturally. If you will do those three things, if you will spend time in the Word, I don't know that you're going to really hear from God apart from being in His Word. God speaks to you through His Word. When you spend time in His Word, and you, you know, the whole reason that I'm doing this, the whole reason that I am here today really started in a dugout over at Ridgecroft. I went out to that dugout, and I started doing really crazy things. Like I, I would, for every day I was out there, I would put a penny up on top of the dugout. And then sometimes I would count the pennies, you know. It's a little weird things like that. But I was spending time with God. I'm just very strategic and methodical. I was spending time with God, and I was reading in the New Testament. I was reading the book of Acts. And I started thinking, man, this stuff could work today. You know, if we would do these things, and I would look at the church, and I became growingly un, or dissatisfied with what I saw in the church. And I didn't want to be a complainer. I didn't want to be negative. And I just started wrestling it. Well, Paul and the disciples were building people up, and they were humble and teachable and helpful. And over here, it's like, and not in every case, but in many cases, there's a lot of arrogance. There's a lot of arrogance. Like, we just want certain people doing certain things. And there's a lot of control. I didn't see that in the New Testament. And I just became dissatisfied. And then you open up the paper, and some clown has gotten caught doing something horrible in the name of Christ. And I'm like, God, what is, what is wrong with us? Why are we so far from the book of Acts? Why are we so different from Jesus? And God started saying, well, what about you? And I started humbling myself and praying and saying, God, you know, use me in any way. And it was, it was a work. And, and let's be honest, we're not reaching the world, are we? In America, are we, are we going forward or are we going backwards? You know, we're not reaching this culture like we can. We're not seeing the power of God un unleashed. We need to grow spiritually. And the only way these things can happen is we have to change. And I know, I say, I know I'm just one person, but God, I want to do my part. You know, I want to I do it this way. I don't want to do it the other way. I don't want to play this game of church. And I don't want to go around telling people to feel good about themselves and come to Jesus and get rich and all of these things that are just not in the New Testament. That if we're going to reach this world, we have to live fully for Christ and, and trying to follow this example and not the example of the world. And God has given us a great opportunity. And I don't think it matters if there's a Republican or a Democrat in an office to do what the book of Acts did. 
Because at this point, we're not worse than Rome was. Rome was an ungodly government that put to death Christians, persecuted Christians to the point of death. And that's from where we come. The church has grown through that. When Jesus called the disciples, you know, they said there was about 500 people that knew about the resurrection. From that 500 people, we have all of this Christian influence today in our world, all of these people from the last 2,000 years, and it was built on the foundation of Jesus teaching these 12 disciples and spending time with Peter, James, and John, and then calling Paul. And they grew exponentially through expanding through every person in that Christian community considering themselves a minister of the gospel with different callings and different abilities, but working this one goal of presenting the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, presenting it to the culture, the life-changing message, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this message of the gospel just grew to 300 years after Jesus rose from the dead, the Roman government stopped persecuting Christians and actually embraced Christianity. Now, religion and the state didn't mix that well, but it was, in a sense, better than being put to death for your faith. You and I are not getting put to death for our faith. Are we getting criticized or ridiculed on social media? Yes. You know, we don't have an environment that presents a positive message of Christianity all across the board. But the door is still open. You know, the, the sheriffs are not coming here to shut us down. We are allowed to preach the gospel, to have Bible study, and to share the gospel and build the church, the church that Jesus has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the, the only thing that shuts down the church is the church. The only thing that shuts down the church is the church. When you and I, with all the, the arsenal that we need, with all of the weapons and all of the tools we need to reach the world with the gospel, we simply shut the book, walk away, and amuse ourselves by living for the world, not for Christ. That's what shuts down the church. Even with persecution, even if we are ridiculed and criticized, if we will share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and live a Christian life, we will transform the, the community. Christ has promised that. And that's what the first century church was doing until they bought into institutionalizing Christianity. They went from homes to cathedrals. And when they went to cathedrals, they went from everyone being involved to picking a few people to be celebrities. And it didn't work as well. It didn't work as well. It works better when every person feels a sense of calling. Because honestly, as I look out and I see those of you who are under 25, you are far better equipped to reach the person that sits in a chair next to you in a school or in a college than I am. 
they would listen to you a lot quicker than they would listen to me. So you are the only Jesus they're going to see. If they get around me, they're going to be totally different. They're going to be fake. They're going to tell me what I want to hear. They're not going to communicate to me the way they'll communicate to you. So how are we going to reach those people if we are to reach everyone? You must live a transformed life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to know Christ and have a relationship with Christ and understand that He is your Lord and Savior. Come to Him for forgiveness and be filled with His Spirit and live the Christian life in the presence of people who don't know Him with all of your imperfections. You're not perfect, neither am I. And when you mess up, you just ask for forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. That's how the world is transformed. And I commend our young people for inviting people to the church, for talking to people in the community, for sharing your lives, because they are watching you. They are watching you at the workplace. And you have a tremendous opportunity to build the kingdom of God. And that's what it takes for a move of God where every person in this room considers themselves called by God and using your gifts, which you have. And if you don't believe you have gifts, just talk to me. Spend some time. I, I guarantee you, give me a little time and I will point out many gifts. I see gifts in those. So many of you, I see your abilities and your gifts, as do other people. And we can encourage you and help you develop and cultivate that gift to use. There's several people. If I'm called to teach and preach, there's several people in this room that are called to teach and preach. It's not unique to me. It's not. You know, encouragement, it's not unique to, to those who encourage. Administration helps. Teaching. You know, all of the gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament are, are throughout the church. God has gifted the church. He's given us in this church everything we need to do the work of the ministry and to reach our community. Paul shared God's revelation of Christ to the Gentiles. This church, this local church, we are called not to be a self-help organization, not to be just a group of people getting together and having a good time. We are called to reveal Christ to the world. Christ in us. Jesus Christ living in us and us living out our Christian faith for the world to see. That's what Paul lived out what was within him. There is one God who eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The church is the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. You and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. It is the Holy Spirit that comforts us when we're discouraged. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us. When you finish your day and you sit down at night and pray, it is the Holy Spirit that points out to you what you did right and what you did wrong. And that's normal. We don't live perfect days. We're not perfect people. We are a work in process. The fundamental belief of Christianity is that base behavior is not fixed. Behavior can change as character changes. Your character changes as you receive Christ, receive His forgiveness, 
and the Holy Spirit within you produces godly character, which produces godly behavior. And what people see on the outside is just a work in progress. And that's part of the reason why I talked about that word humility. Because when people see that you're not perfect and that you make mistakes, you know, you have to humble yourself and trust God and occasionally tell people, I apologize for my words, my behavior, because we are not perfect. Paul taught people about Christ so that they would grow to spiritual maturity. The Bible teaches us about Christ so that you and I can grow to spiritual maturity. You and I pass it along to our children and to other people. We pass along the teachings of the Bible so that we will grow spiritually. That's why we talk, we pray, we talk about the children. See, the devil is trying to reach the children of the world. That's his strategy. He's looking towards the future. So we need to beat him and meet him there and rebuke him and send him away and build up our children and our youth and the young people in our church for the future. You know, he is going to try to accomplish the same thing. That's why we match that with the strength of Christ, because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We pray for our young people. We pray for the next generation. Paul's teaching, preaching, and ministry was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't do it in his own strength. When Peter tried to live in the power of his own strength, he denied Christ. We studied that last week in small group. We talked about Peter and Peter's failure. Peter failed because he didn't understand that he needed the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. That in his own strength alone, he couldn't do it. And you and I, I mean, especially when we're new in Christ, we try to live the Christian life. You know, if you are a young person and you're trying to resist the temptations of the world, you can't do it in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. And when you do make a mistake, guess what? Your parents probably made the same mistake, if not worse. And the people next to you are probably making the same mistake. So don't go around feeling like you're the, the worst person in the world and give up. Just ask, say, hey, God, be real with God. Say, God, I need your help. I'm like every other young person in the world. I'm tempted by these things. Help me out. You know, God will, will speak to you through the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you and develop. And, and the beautiful thing about that is when you grow spiritually, you'll have humility. And you'll see someone messing up. I was, uh, we were down at the beach a couple years ago, and, and we were talking about some you know, different people and their, how they were uh, struggling in their walk with the Lord. And one of the young, you know, one of the young people said, uh, hey, you know what, I'll, I'm going to go talk to that person because I struggled with that same thing. I struggled with that same thing. And they understood. And it wasn't like, you sorry, lousy person, you're never going to make it. But no, I understand that human weakness. And I want to come alongside that person and encourage them and help them so that they can avoid some of the mistakes that I made. That's what we do as the body of Christ. Not perfect, but committed to Christ. Filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit within us can change us. 
A man or woman will sacrifice and even suffer for someone he or she loves. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes we're like, boy, they need to get out of that relationship, you know. But it's just human nature. When we love someone, we, we serve them and we sacrifice. So my prayer is that our love will be for Christ. Our love for Christ will motivate us to serve him, which involves sacrifice and could involve suffering. Our union with Christ, the fact that we are in Christ as believers, will enable us to serve him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything I've talked about here today is possible because Christ lives inside of us. I believe no matter what my week was like, no matter how many times I, I said something I shouldn't have said, I believe every time you know, I walk into this building, I believe with my whole heart that there is no character that cannot be achieved with Christ. There's no limit. If God wants me to go and share the gospel with any person, I believe fully that the Holy Spirit in me can get me there. And I believe that about you. I believe that just as strongly about you, that if you're surrendered to Christ, there is nothing that you can't do for Christ that's in God's will. Now, I don't know what God's will involves for you. You know, I don't necessarily know all of the gifts that God has given you. But this I know, that God makes a way for you to serve him. Because that's part of the Christian life. Serving him is just one part of the Christian life. And encouragement is much bigger for the kingdom of God than what we realize. And thank God, thank God. I, I rarely hear somebody talking about people at this church being judgmental or condescending. I rarely hear those. What I hear is friendliness and encouragement and these good reports. Praise the Lord. I don't want that to ever change. I don't want that to ever change. I want when people walk in here and when people come into your lives, no matter who they are, and the thing is, when we interact with people who are not Christians, they're going to live like not Christians. But if they know that we care about them and we love them, and yet we model a higher standard, you know the solution is not to start cursing when you meet someone like that? That's not the solution. If you meet somebody and they slip up and say things, you don't connect with them by doing what they do. You connect with them by showing them the love of Christ and encouraging them and setting an example. Because I was talking about, you know, I was remembering a Sunday school class that I was teaching many years ago, and there's a couple men in there, and they had not been to church. They didn't grow up in a church. And they told us right from the beginning, they said, guys, we, we apologize. You know, our language is terrible. But you know what? The language changed. And those men went on to become leaders in the church because those little outward things changed as the inward relationship with Christ changed. And the focus is not on the behavior. The focus is on the relationship with Christ that produces character. It's our union with Christ. If I can get you and I, if I can get us to be in union with Christ and have a relationship with Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to change us, it takes care of everything. I don't need to tell you what type of music to listen to. I don't need to tell you what type of words to say. I don't need to tell you who to date and who not to date. I don't have to do those things 
if the Holy Spirit changes you. But you know what? You can listen to all the right music. You can date all the right people. You can say all the right words. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit within you, it's just not the same. It's not the same. We need to be surrendered to the one who lives the Holy Spirit inside of us to produce that change. Because Jesus is going to ask you to do some things you might not be comfortable with. Because our service for Christ is going to involve suffering and sacrifice. But our service for Christ will make an impact on the local church we are part of and the town that we live in. If you and I will love Christ, if we will consider our union with Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to change us, and then we will work out our salvation by serving Christ in a local church and serving the community, there will be a change, and you and I, we will, we will, if Jesus returns, or if our days should end, we will look back and we will hear those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you and I want. That's what we live for. You know, we live that Christ would be magnified in our lives. My prayer this week is that Christ would be magnified in everything that we do at Crossroads in our community. Will you join me in saying this prayer throughout the week? My prayer is that you and I would just live with this simple goal this week, that what we say and what we do would magnify Christ in our union with Him, in our love for Him, in our service for Him. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.